closed on our 12 doors. We just started investing probably a year and a half ago. So we just closed on our, this is a Pottersville. And that's my, uh, my favorite question. Pottersville, that's what it was. Pottersville. Yeah. 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 Oh, did I, did I talk to you about that? Yeah. So I thought Perry, I knew it was yeah, a P. Yeah. P so. yeah, yeah. Pottersville duplex, uh, 2005. It's a great, great spot. Um, our phones are blowing up for inquiries to, uh, to list or to, to rent. Uh, we just listed it, just closed on it. And, um, yeah, so so six six duplex. Get this, we're buying a personal. Um, so obviously my phone number gets released to the credit bureaus. Yeah, there's a solution for that. It, yeah, yeah. We do a soft poll now. Okay. And have our client. It automatically we send you an opt out, and then a week later we run it. I so didn't. It, I didn't get that opt out, which I know that I know that like John Millard is uh, kind of our go to guy right now. Yeah. <clears throat> he uh, he does have an opt out plan. And my phone blows up because I totally forgot to send you that because I don't think of you as a client. <laughs> well, and we're all still kind of this all has really come about the last six months, mm -hmm. you know. So we're we're all actively trying to combat it. Yeah, because our customers, our clients, don't like it, right? Um, not so worried about the competition calling as much as the frustration of it, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it doesn't. Uh, and, and I live this world, so I'm not too worried about that. But to your point, if I'm not, if I'm a nurse, if I'm a teacher, and that's happened to me. Yeah. It's probably not. A, it's yeah, not yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah, better customer experience will be to mm -hmm. eliminate it. So yeah. we're we're all trying, and we're it's not perfect yet. But you're seeing more and more. I think like your big like United Wholesale just came out with something they're doing. Um, credit to my guy who runs our bank. Uh, we were on top of it and, and rolled it out like a month ago, which is for being a community bank, pretty cool. Yeah, heck you know? yeah. So um, yeah, so we're proud of that. It's a good solution. We still get the all three scores. We can still run all the underwriting. Uh, the automated underwriting that we need to, um, but uh, yeah, that uh, the I, it's amazing because we didn't. It just never was an issue until the industry really slowed down. Yeah. There are also a couple changes that happened which are causing it mm -hmm. uh, when those get released. So, but that's what yeah. that's what they said the other day too. It's like back in 2020, you would have never have gotten more than one two phone calls because everyone was so busy doing refis. Yeah, yeah. and and and, <laughs> and we're kind of in a phase where. I mean, the industry was is still pretty fat. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of call centers that are that are still staffed. A lot. Um, so that's, and that's the calls I call them internet chop shops. When I'm talking to my clients. Yeah. Sorry, they're going to be calling you, but yeah. Like I said, now we're but, combating it. But. but being proactive. So I had a uh, a video podcast yesterday with a guy by the name of Matt Farnham. Great guy. He's out of Vegas. Uh, he's with the Tom Tom Ferry ecosystem, and his big slogan is "Uncertainty creates anxiety." So not that a bunch of phone calls are gonna make somebody anxious, but it's about being proactive and mm -hmm. having a plan and having a process so these clients have a better expectation of what we're doing moving forward. So versus, let's say you don't combat, combat that upfront and then all of a sudden their phone gets blown up by 20 or 40, it's about the customer experience. Yeah. So the fact that independent bank is saying, hey, we gotta figure this stuff out and implementing that process so you avoid that and create a better customer experience that makes happy customers that makes happy referrals that makes repeat business period right. and that's the difference i think of a lender that's been doing it for 20 years or a lender that's been doing it for two years and if 
a lender that's been doing it for two years wants to do it for 20, 30, 40 years, that's the thing that you have to pick up on, not from like a bank standard, but but even customer experience. So, you know, what are ways and not necessarily talking about it, but what are ways that you think that you're doing to elevate that customer experience outside of some of those those systems and process within independent bank? You know, why are people calling Matt? Yeah, I mean, I think that's always got to be the focus, right? Improvement. We're going back to where we started, right? With the go abundance, the growth improvement, but improving the customer experience is our number one focus. It has mm -hmm. to be. That's where you start. Okay. And then, then the, that's where you're going to finish really. Right. So, uh, growth comes at the end of the day off of, I mean, we, we continually do our job and we continually do it better. It's going to create business, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the, and none of these, none of the, these aren't new philosophies, but I think it's reminding yourself that's mindset, right? So reminding yourself of it. Okay. What are our problems? What can we do to fix them? Yeah. What, what can we control? What can't we control? Focus on things you can control and make them better. Right. Yeah. So I think too many agents too, and I, I can't speak for lenders, but too many agents, um, are not willing to maybe not necessarily put in the work, but control the things that they can control and control them very, very well. So yeah. it elevates and changes that customer experience. Um, that's just my perspective. Um, but again, too, like the reason that we get phone calls and our phones kind of, you know, still ringing off the hook is customer experience, but also just reputation and the ability to close files. I don't think that we're doing anything different than anyone else is doing, but we're just doing it at such an elevated point and to you as well and Brent as well. Consistently, right? Consistently, yeah. yeah so. so so it's the same customer experience throughout. And again, that's what bleed, uh, uh, bleeds into referrals, repeat business, so on and so forth. And actually, I don't know where Brent would put his business, but I bet you he relies, not relies, he has a crap ton referral business based on what I'm just kind of seeing. There's a reason for that. The same things that you guys are always talking about, the th same things that, you know, we're trying to do in our business and um, take notes. Uh, don't reinvent the wheel. Just uh, use the wheel you got and use it to the, to the damn uh, best ability that you can and make sure that you're doing the uh, a better job or a better product than anybody else out there. So right. um, let's jump onto the interest rates. What I, I don't even think it's currently a problem for us in, in my mind when it comes to buyers and even sellers to sell. Um, I'm approaching that as big picture and short picture. Again, short, short, short term. I understand it makes the job a little bit harder to do, but what does the future hold for us in terms of rates going back down, refinancing? And at the end of the day, if you have to buy, you have to buy. Um, or if you have to sell, you have to sell. So are you having conversations with agents or within the bank about how to object or handle objections through the rise of interest rates or the volatility of interest rates? Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably the main topic, right? Right now, I think, you know, even just a month ago when rates were getting into the high fives again, that you did see the market start to uh, perform a little better. I think, it, I think it will function in the fives uh, normal, right? Um, and then they jumped up and we can see some changes. So we know they're impacting, you know, consumer behavior and, and the market overall. Uh, the now it's a today it's a good time to talk about because rates right now are dropping as we speak. Yeah. So um, the ten years down twenty five bip. So another uh, bank potential bank failure. So so would that be four banks or three banks? That would be four. Four if, banks. I don't know that it's Credit Suisse is the name if they're there yet. Yeah. But yeah, it's still. I, what is that right now? Um. So this is Mortgage News Daily. Um. Ten year Treasury 
is 3.436, so going down today. Uh, yesterday was kind of going up a little bit, and I don't know what you see versus what I see. I just kind of use this as a metric. Obviously, we're gonna be a little bit higher than that, but 6.75 at this point in time. Yeah, it's gonna be lower. Lower? I mean, more like six and a quarter Okay. Um, as the day goes. It was more like six and a half yesterday. It's tough to keep up on the, so I use uh, MBS Live, which is Matt Graham, who does Mortgage News Daily, uh -huh. um, and he's great. Uh, but. Uh, the you'll see those rates all of a sudden change so those average rates take a while to catch up yeah. with where the market actually is um but i think the again back to the topic of how you combat it the customer's fear i think facts versus fear like i started with um and I've, you hear the phrase right uh marry the house date the rate well that's fine the problem often is is people are scared of dating you know they don't really understand the full risk yeah. um or what the risks are yeah. um and if it, the hardest time to see opportunity, right, is when you're scared or there's fear. And most of that will come with just because of lack of uh, knowledge or being educated on the true risks, the mm -hmm. true opportunity. So I think I don't shy away from it. So it's the elephant in the room, right? So if you don't, if this isn't a topic with the client, hey, where rates are now, where we think they're going, you know, you don't make promises, right? We educate them. I, I have a client that I send a snip of what those are, what mortgage-backed securities are doing every day. Um, he grabbed onto it and he wants that education and it's made him more comfortable, mm -hmm. right? Um, you're more comfortable with where everything is at because you understand and know the market, right? Um, our, our clients hire us for that. But when there are things that they, especially the way the media and the news is, you know, they're seeing there's a lot of uh, fear being pushed down, right? So you educate them with the facts. Um, and I think, you know, there's some people it's going to hold back. There's some people that can't qualify for maybe what they want, but that's, overall pretty limited yeah i think it's more is this the right time to do it um and the fear of that right uh so again even, i mean even even the uncertainty creates anxiety to your whole point education 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 and you're making me like you're it, this this is very like brent of you which it's probably very matt of you as well right. um to get me to think of like the things that we're currently doing in our business and what we should be focusing in on and if i've said it once i've said it a million times and pat as well it's we really try to drive home this educational piece so at the end of the day the buyer or seller really knows exactly what they're saying yes to versus i think sometimes agents will just pull them through the transaction and at the end of the deal they'll go what just happened versus really driving home this educational period to understand value Maybe not so much rates, you know, I, I rely on the professionals for that one, but a uh, value, you know, I can tell somebody this house is worth $400,000 all day long, but until they actually realize that it's worth that to them, yeah. it's obviously an uphill battle. And I think it takes about five to eight homes for somebody to really walk out of a house that they truly love to go, that's worth that. So, you know, comps aside, and you're going to see enough homes as a, as a consumer to realize what you want, what you don't want, and what you want to pay for it that's the hardest part is getting them to realize that value at the end of the day we can write bullshit offers all day long but we want to write offers that are actually obviously going to win you the home and that's the advice i'm going to give not let's do this just to do this yeah. but let's do this because i think this is exactly what's going to win us the home and i think that's again the difference between a good lender bad lender good agent bad agent or you know, and, and you have no really major impact on, on the, the offer writing process. But again, I'll, I'll always tell somebody straight up, um, it's kind of a bullshit offer and right. that's fine. We'll write it. This is where I think you should be. And, and obviously, you know, I can't say that offer one, but I can say that offer five.
hey Chris, you know where do we where do we think we are in, in terms of competition? Well, guys, I think we need to be here, but you know, let's do it. Let's see what we can do though. And right, you've built their trust there, right? So you've educated them. Sometimes it takes a few offers, yeah, right. If you cram it down their throat too early, right, <laughs> and they lose. But you've built trust by educating them, yeah. right. So that's, and you know, if we're taking on that role and teaching them, right, and whether for you the offer writing process, interest rates number one topic on our end right now. Then, if it if they decide they don't want to do anything right now, um, we can't tell them it's the perfect time, right? Mm -hmm. We can show them examples of success. We can show them a blueprint of what we think could happen and, and how it will help them. Yeah. Um, and uh, as they learn and as you know, I put them on newsletters that I think the market is adjusting to it now. You know, part of it is too is is how fast they moved. And humans, they they forget things pretty quick though. Now that we're starting yeah, to be sure used to the sixes, yeah. right? Um, when it was five percent last summer, I mean, that was almost a bigger topic then than now. Yeah, everyone's starting to adjust, and the affordability isn't where we want it, right? But I think again, getting into the high fives, I think that affordability thing starts to come into range. Yeah. Um, th th and that's a great point, though, because November 1st is when we really hit like seven, like a peak. Yeah. And everyone was like, whoa, time out. Like, let's just let's just wait for a second. Three months ago, it's like uh, Tom Ferry will always say 90 day cycles for you to generate business, 90 day cycles. And we live in this 90 day cycle for a calendar year and then we start back all over again. Um, but it's no different than consumers having that short term memory. No, no, no. We just hit sevens. So yeah. 90 days later, uh, end of January, February 1st. Rates are like 6.5, and people are like, eh, we're, we're good again. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's all relative, yeah. right? And uh, um, yeah, so I think that that's part of it too. And it, it's a, it could be a little longer buying process for people, right? They're, it's harder to find homes. Uh, affordability isn't always where they want it. But as they see the ebbs and flows, that's part of the education, like the multiple offers they made. Um, so it, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's an opportunity back to that too it's an opportunity for experienced lenders or experienced agents to mm -hmm. show their value yeah you know to really use their knowledge and we we generally separate ourselves in times that are a little more challenging yeah you know even even just looking for the opportunities i mean like there's homes if you look at the mls right now there's homes that are sitting on the market that are overpriced quote unquote overpriced yep. or the market's telling them they're overpriced regardless if they are or not um and maybe they just missed the, the the mark just by a little bit based on like a psychological price point and we're still seeing people list homes for i'll give you a very very specific example the comparable data showed this house is worth 750 to 775 she listed it for 699 and i think that she was at no not think she was playing the game and she played that thing damn well and yeah. she got 780 out the door so yeah does somebody see that as a little bit of a underpriced and maybe should they have priced it at 759 to maybe drive it to the 780 or maybe the eight hundred thousand dollars? who cares the market dictates fair market value, but it's looking for the opportunities um, to hopefully capitalize in those short term interest rates hurt will affect the payment marginally. But in the big picture, if we can refinance, but getting a home we're truly, truly happy about, I think that's the goal. And I think that's the opportunity. But back to education, you know, it's me talking, talking buyers through that guys. No, like I'm cool with interest rates. I'm cool with this. I'm cool with that. What I'm really cool with, though, is is finding the opportunities for you. Do we have to stretch ourselves a little bit? Maybe yeah. you have to be comfortable with that. But at the big picture, if we get something that's more of the, the, the 10 to 15 year home versus the two to five year home, 
and we stretch ourselves just a little bit further, things are going to get better. When interest rates go down, we make more money, we pay down more debt, bigger picture stuff, versus just opening the door, showing them homes and not kind of having these bigger picture conversations. That's what matters. And For I think sure. that's the difference between, you know, somebody that's doing it well and not doing it well. And you can see that. Yeah, I mean, and I think the we all know, we've all seen the social media and everywhere, and so have our clients. They'll buy it now at $100,000 less, but a higher rate, and it's actually a better deal, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's marketing, marketing and a lot of it is is factual there but sometimes I, mean, I find a lot of clients almost freeze up to that just constantly being hammered on them mm -hmm. so it's more there is an approach that we take I, I don't start hey what it, their goal is not their interest rate right yeah their goal is to find the home they want and within their budget yeah right so how do we get there um, and here's what rates are doing if we need to be in a different budget do we need to use program uh, solutions um, we have, and there's a lot of program solutions out there right now to help combat it, whether it be short term. I mean, we. When, what are we talking about to, to combat those? What are some of those programs? Are we talking arms? Are we talking two to one buy downs? What are you reaching for? What are you talking about? How are you educating? Both. You know, I think two to one buy down is is a, a hot topic. It was marketed pretty hard. It I, is. When you educate the clients on what it really is, I think it really, can really help them. Um, I, arms are something we are strong in. So I've used that a lot, especially when rates were starting last week before we got into the, the bank, mini bank crisis here again, they were starting to get up into the real, I mean, approaching seven. Mm -hmm. And then so 10 year arm products are out there in the low sixes. Okay. So a 10 year arm for a third, for a first time home buyer can make a lot of sense. Yeah. They'll, they'll probably never get anywhere close to that adjustment period. No, they still have to be comfortable with it. And to be comfortable with it, they need to be educated on it. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, using those solutions. Um, and I have, it's, I would say it's not even half and half, probably two thirds of my, of my clients will be comfortable with some of those solutions. Okay. If it meets their goals mm -hmm. and there's a third that don't like the risk of it, that's fine. Everybody has different risk thresholds. So yeah. then focus. Okay. Let's stick with the basic fixed program and figure out where it lines up for you. Yeah. Um, and we all know this, it's not rocket science, but it's listening to what their concern is and then answering it with solutions right yeah so we we had somebody reach for a uh, 7 -1 arm and it just made sense for them you know they were it was safe so they're buying themselves and, and break down for the people that don't know what's a 7-1 arm so it's a 30-year i mean generally it's a 30-year mortgage but the rates fixed for the first seven years so and then seven year hits and then it becomes an adjustable rate year over year until you refinance so generally now that it's oh, every six months it can adjust every six months now yeah it went from what was called liber to sofer and um, so most of your arm products out there now uh, do have a six month adjustment once you end the fixed period. Yeah. So and there's and there's three one arms, there's five one arms, there's seven one arms, there's ten one arms. There's a lot of different adjustable rate mortgage options. Yeah, and, and the lower the fixed period, the better the terms usually, right? Um, so if we're at a three one arm, we might get a five point seven five. If we're at a ten one arm, we might be at six and a quarter. As an example, it's a good example. Yeah, okay. and. Um, like I said, it's been a good solution for some people. Some people don't want any part of it. And not to beat a dead horse, but it goes back to there's a fear of arms, right? There's a fear of, you know, they were a part of the housing collapse 15 years ago. Okay. And that, but they weren't conforming arms like this. They were completely structured differently. They had prepayment penalties. Most of them were done as two years. Okay. So ex educating clients on that, then becoming comfortable with maybe the solution yeah. and then it, allowing them to, to do what they want to do, it's been a good tool. That was um, that was gonna be my next question: is how do, how were they structured from 2000, 2005, 2010? But you already answered it. Mostly two year, 
And is that where people got in over their head when things started to go in from bad to worse? Those adjustable rates put them out of affordability and then they said, oh, yeah, but what would happen, what a lot of people were doing is refinancing them every couple of years. Okay. And when values changed very quickly, they couldn't get out of them. Mm -hmm. um, and so then they adjusted up and they had prepayment penalties um, and it snowballed from there. And they were being used as the only, so back then also we didn't, we could qualify off the two year rate. Okay. Now any lender that's doing an arm, we're qualifying them. Uh, anything under five year or under seven years, excuse me, we're qualifying them off an adjusted rate. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but uh, they, they didn't qualify once they reached that period yeah. um, with the, those subprime structured arms and um, it snowballed from there. Right. It was one of the main, main sources. Um, and when you say they w wouldn't qualify, that meant they probably shouldn't have gotten that mortgage. Yeah. So a lot of people got mortgages they shouldn't have had. Uh, that's not how arms were intended and it's not, if you're doing them right, it's not how you should, you're using them now. It mm -hmm. is a, a solution for affordability, but understand the risks. Um, I mean, most anyone I'm doing it for, their intent is not to be in that mortgage when it reaches the adjustment period. Mm -hmm. Now, the the lowest risk scenario there is that they're not gonna be in the home for more than five years or seven years or 10 years. Um, there's also the plan to maybe we're gonna refinance it. Yeah. But there's no guarantees there. Um, so the biggest thing is if it does adjust, can you afford it? Yeah. Uh, so that's what we look at. And, and if they, if they're comfortable with potential adjustments, it's an opportunity to save money. And, and then most of us do expect an opportunity to refinance. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do they say? The average mortgage is five to seven years. Yeah. 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 That's whether it. that's refi, whether that's sale, whatever, whatever it may be, but the average mortgage that you're writing today statistically should be every five to seven years. <laughs> and I find them when I tell clients that they're like, well, that doesn't they don't want to hear averages, nah, but yeah, I'm here forever. The, the, yeah, the, <laughs> that's why I'm comfortable with it as a solution because yeah. I know they. And it, shoot, I mean, we've been in a refinance boom. I feel like for 20 years, yeah. you know. So people have been in their mortgage. That that number has actually been dropping a lot. Uh -huh. You know. Okay. Now, is that number going to change with all the people that are locked into three percent right now? That's and that's so. that's where I was just going to kind of like get your thoughts on because I think that that's the bigger, crazier question, and I've always thought about it as the people that have bought at three percent, and that's a general population. But what about the people that refinanced to down to that three or three point five? There's probably a lot of mortgages out there right now with a three percent interest rate. Is there a number like does does the the United States of America have a number on that? How many mortgage holders have less than a four percent interest rate currently on their mortgage? That's the bigger stat. And will we see homes with those rates come up in the next five, 10, 15, 20 years? That's the bigger question mark. And me and you will look back in twenty years and go, "Wow, it was more or less than we thought." <laughs> yeah, I think. Is that, there a number on that though? Though, you know, and I don't want to quote it, but it's it's high. It's somewhere like in the 70% range. 70% have maybe less than a 4% interest yeah, rate currently on the mortgage. That's what I recall reading. I don't want to quote it, but yeah. it, it is. No quotes here. <laughs> most people refinanced. I mean, if you didn't, you what know. What are you doing? Yeah, you're, you weren't being served right, right? Yeah. So, I mean, most people refinanced during that period. And then obviously people bought their homes, locked mm -hmm. those in. Um, and I think it will be interesting just to see, you know, behavior of there's still, a lot of these people are still going to outgrow their home. Okay, they're still going to want to change school districts or have job change. So there's always going to be the folks where they have to do it, right? But there's still, I still have people building right now that refinance their their mortgage during COVID, and they're doing it right now. They're they're taking on. I mean, uh, 
cost to build hasn't dropped that much at a higher rate because to meet their needs yeah. or meet their goals. And um, yeah, it cuts out a percentage of the market. There's going to be people that it just can't, it doesn't make sense to go from three to 6%. Yeah. But like I tell everyone that, that right now, those rates were artificial when they were that low. Right now we're artificially high. Okay, this is where rates are being pushed up on purpose. Mm -hmm. To combat something. Yeah. Inflation, trying to bring that back down. So once we kind of stabilize again, that's where I think that, and I I don't have the crystal ball or I should not make decisions for the rest of the world. I understand we're combating inflation. But when we started going up high, I was like, the government should just lock in interest rates at 5% to infinity. Never, never go up, never go down. It's at 5%. That's a fixed number. But is that how our economy works no so (laughs) it's a seesaw and usually they maybe they raised rates too fast too high they put probably pushed rates too low for too long and allowed prices to keep ballooning on us through covid and and it it was uh nobody we hadn't been through covid or pandemic in the modern era before you know so um it was old i would say and and i think there's a lot of opinion out there that it, we overstimulated it, right? We caused a lot of this inflation. And there was some factors like the Russia and Ukraine that came that we didn't quite expect, mm-hmm. right? Um, but at the end of the day, right now, rates are artificially high. just like they were artificially low. They'll settle somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And then I think going from, if going from a 3% to a 4.875 to get a new home or a home that meets your needs, going to be a lot easier to stomach right? for sure yeah and that that's that's ultimately exactly what changes upsizers needed an upsize and yep. downsizers that need to downsize that home at some point in time will not make sense for you it just comes down to that question mark when when is that 5 10 15 20 years um and i think that's the bigger not conversation or educational piece but the thing that i consistently am reminding my buyers how long is this home fit your needs we don't know, but is this a five-year home or is this a 10 to 15-year home? Because if it's a 10 to 15-year home, I'm cool with kind of overpaying right now with the anticipation that hopefully those those rates do kind of swing back down on that seesaw to figure out, um, you know, what makes more sense for us for a long term. If it's the, the seven or the three to five-year home, yeah, I'm probably not going to overpay. Yeah, I'm probably not going to do the appraisal guarantee. Yeah, I'm not going to do the escalation clause because it doesn't really fit my needs. The whole caveat to that is, too, is there's definitely value in getting out of the market to be in a home, to be stable, to be settled. And you probably I don't. How many homes have you uh, bought or sold over the past 20 years? Personally? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Seven. Professionally, you probably have lost count. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's always different when you're doing it personally, though, yeah. right? So I, I always learn something when I'm doing it. I built a home, um, sold and bought six and built one, right? And uh, the um, and there was a couple. I had really good advice from the agent I was working with that, okay, what I think the last two and and I sold one for over asking was, hey, what are you willing to what will you be upset if you lost it? Yeah. Right. So how much should I go over list? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the number that if you don't get it, you're going to be upset or if you do get it, you're fine. Could be 20 grand. Yeah. And I, I say buy it buy in, in the in the big picture, guys, the difference between winning and losing in a I know I, I always kind of say 30 year mortgage, um, I guess, in terms of the monthly payments is where my mind goes to. So not necessarily being in that house for 30 years, but in the big picture of a 30 year mortgage monthly payments, the difference between winning and losing. Ten to twenty thousand dollars. I'm choosing to win every single day of the week because 10k right now is about 50 to 60 bucks a month, right? Yeah. So for me, 
for an extra $100 a month, I'm in a home, I'm done with my search, there's value to that. So back to that agent's point is what's that number? What, what number are you not okay with losing this house or the other way around? Are you okay to be spending to make sure we win this house? Well, as an agent, right? You don't want them to be upset after because they didn't get it. Yeah. So what's that number, right? Yeah. So I always got good advice there and I think the, but I still, I learn about how emotional it is for when you do your own <laughs> personal transactions um, and on our end is understanding it's, I mean, these people don't do it every day, right? Yeah. Like we do, and it's still emotional. So um, being a resource for them to get through it is, I mean, one of our biggest uh, responsibilities, yeah. I guess, you know? So. I, I laugh because we always talk about the emotion and the finance of the buyers and the sellers. And it's, you know, it is very emotional and it's a lot of finance driven and that triggers emotions. And it's so easy for me to like say those things. And then to your point, the second I get into a deal for a duplex, I'm like, this is nuts. (laughs) (laughs) What do you expect me to do? (laughs) Um, And then I take a step back and and I'm pretty level headed and, you know, folks in the numbers and I'm not here to nickel and dime. I'm here to be very, very fair and find the win-win for all parties because I do want the deal at the end of the day. And this, the duplex specifically, list price was 215 and I ended up having to pay uh, 235. But I was cool with that because it was a win-win for all parties and it made sense. But throughout that, me making adjustments to accommodate to the seller, there were times I was (laughs) What do you mean? I have to do these things it's quick to have that. Reaction, yeah. So. so, so realizing that, well, when we get into them, it's a good lesson for us. And I, I love bringing it up to buyers and sellers that I'm buying things or I'm selling things. Cause like, yeah. guys, I'm in the trenches with you too. I don't just say, I understand what you're doing. I understand what you're doing because I'm personally doing it. And when we're competing for business, I always try to say that I'm like, Hey, you know, if you're, if you're interviewing other agents, do it. Like, that's a great thing to do. Where do they live? How many units are they doing? Are they currently buying and selling? If it's an investment property, do they currently have investments? These are all great questions to ask somebody to see if they're truly living your life. Because we buy and sell houses all day long, but if you're not personally doing it, sometimes it's a little bit of a difference or a little bit of a touch. And it's easier for me to give this advice on arms, on rates, on buying and selling, because again, I'm doing these things myself. When did you sell that house? Two years ago, three Um, years ago? Five years ago. Five years ago? And then you built again? No, that was when we built. Okay. Yeah, so so you sold the house you built, and you are now in a new house? Or a no, we, we sold a home five years ago and then built. Gotcha. Yeah, so we moved into the one we're in now four years ago. Where do you live? So, um, Cunningham Lake in Bower. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. yep. So um, um, you're not in Pine Creek, are you? Nope, just probably a half mile. Okay, right, so are so. you on the north side of Cunningham Lake Road, or are you like in Stonehenge? Are you in a neighborhood? So yeah, right behind, if you go out the back of Walnut Hills. Yep. Okay, so we're closer to Walnut Hills than to Stonegate. I gotcha, yeah. Okay, and, so. and and that's, if people don't know, like that's like the, uh, well, you're Hamburg Township, Texas, correct? Or are you uh, Genoa? Genoa, yeah. Okay, either way, Genoa, Hamburg Township, your taxes are going to be a little bit different than obviously living in the city. You are Brighton Schools. Yep. Yeah. And and close to all the schools. And close to all right? the schools. So it was an ideal spot for that. Um, got two little kids playing flag football, so we're close to the new indoor. Oh, legacy. House. Yeah. yeah. No, the the one that they built in front oh, of. Oh yeah, yeah, on Bauer Road. Yeah. So we've already had two seasons in there. No way. And it's awesome. I it's I really didn't realize it was done. Be- yeah. It, I got they got CFO in January. Cool. So, so. it's a big and and uh, uh, let's break this down. So it's a big turf bay, big turf room, t- turf yard. Yep. Um. You said flag football. Obviously, they're probably doing other things in there. Like the are, are is like the varsity football team allowed to use that, or is it for a specific age? Is it only for that middle school? No, it, it's. I mean, I saw 
it looked like high school uh, girls lacrosse going in there because awesome. I drive by it every day. So, um, I'll, yeah, I mean, there's different slots. I think, yeah, it's for the for the public school programs. Yeah. But they're, I mean, these are all in my age group. I mean, it's not through the school system yet. It's called NFL Flag, and um, and there's travel teams and all that using it. So they keep it. I mean, there's not too many times I drive by there where the parking lot's not full, although no. it's a very small parking lot. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Easy to fill that thing yeah, up. <laughs> but you see the people walking down the sidewalk from the other parking lot. So, um, but and, yeah, I think it's I think it's been great for the community. It's just getting started. And, and so. I correct me if I'm wrong, there was a little controversy about it, right? I think there, there's an opinion of uh, the, I mean, that it's an eyesore. Yeah. Right? Uh, who cares? I mean, I, for me, so I think of it this way, and I think about it being like a a resource to the community, because when you look at, well, Livingston County as a whole, legacy, legacy center aside, that's a little bit different because that's public. Those are, they're bringing in, in all of their leagues and all their events. Um, but for school districts, and I know, I don't know if, or who's currently using utilizing that, that's a resource that not many school districts have. An actual turf bay? I, I mean, I could tell you, you can call it an eyesore, but if I'm looking to buy a home in, with kids in Brighton, I'm going to think it's an awesome thing to have, right? Oh, yeah. And I, even if I'm, uh, the, I'm, I'm right there, you know, I'm a subdivision next to it. Yeah, I, I don't see it as an eyesore. I see it as awesome. We I, have this, you know. I see um, it as I see it as a resource. I see it as an opportunity. I see it as nothing but as people love Brighton School District uh, yeah. already. And I think it's another sales point. We got a turf bed. <laughs> and it's great. And it uh, the you know where how they set it up it's a different topic right the location and the parking lot and that um but it you know i've used it every sunday for since it opened mm -hmm. uh, with my family and works fine you hold, know, so. hold your kids uh seven and five seven and five okay yeah. so that would they be like either. first grade and maybe preschool second and uh, uh pre-k yeah second and pre-k they um, both they both have uh there's NFL flag starts at pre-K. Okay. So they both playing in on Sundays. So. You, you've got, they've got, a, I mean, obviously your family, your young family um, got a lot of life to live with a uh, five and a seven year old uh, yeah. and be able to utilize that stuff. Yeah. So again, back to, you know, even outside of you being a lender and me being an agent at you as a, sta a standard consumer, like that is massive value to a young family moving to this community and, uh, you know, raising a family here. So, um, For sure. Let's uh, anything else on uh, on any of your notes that we didn't talk about that you do think that there's some good value on. I think I think a lot of the things we talked about one, whatever aside, education, 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 getting these consumers to realize big picture, short term memory, long term memory, what it means for the big picture, some products to how to combat that two one arms uh, or my bad. Uh, two one buy downs and arm products are other things that we're reaching for. Um, we talked a lot about personal stuff, which I kind of like that to more talk about just shoot the shit yeah, and, yeah. and get a little bit better idea of, you know, who Matt is. Um, um, I, that's what I think that this podcast evolves to is just uh, shooting the shit and talking about bigger picture of life. Like the conversation that I think that I try to have with like the Brent Fluellings of the world. Because yeah. we could talk about business and all that crap all day long. But I like the, the bigger meaning of why life, so on and so forth. Um, anything outside of loan products that we didn't touch on that you think should be a resource that people aren't talking about? You know, as far as combating rates, yeah. a, you know, I think the products are there. It's again, I go back to the, you know, I saw a lot of the marry the house, uh, date the rate. Right. So, but understanding that, okay, dating scary. So products, educating market history, 
all these different factors so the client can start to see the opportunity. Don't cram the opportunity down their throat, yeah. right? Educate them on what they're scared about and they'll naturally start to see the opportunity. And um, that, I mean, we believe is there, right? Um, as salespeople, you got to believe it too. You yeah. believe in the jersey you're wearing. You got to, <laughs> you got to see the opportunity. I fully expect rates to be down in the next one or two years. Don't make that promise, yeah. right? Um, but showing how that could look. Hey, if this is affordable for you right now at this rate, there's an opportunity. It's going to be cheaper for you down the road. Yeah. But let's make sure right now it meets your goals. Believe, you know? believe in what you. And then that, like all of that, I took out one thing specifically for you know the natural things that we're doing right now is, um, you got to believe with what you're saying. You got to yeah. really trust exactly what because and people I think right now can see through that bullshit. But then that's that goes back to mindset we talked about right. The, that believing in what you're selling, that's gonna come through, just mm -hmm. like mindset does. If you're scared about the market or if you're letting it get to you that day and you're on the phone with people, that will come through, yeah. right? It doesn't matter how good of a salesperson you are. It's uh, um, having that mindset and, and letting it carry through to your business and carry through to your your home too, right? Yeah. You, I'm a better dad when I'm focused on what's important, not letting uh, the little things bother me, right? Yeah. So better loan and, officer. And, right. at, and at the end of the day, people are still buying. Yeah. People are still selling but and plenty of business still plenty of business. Yeah. But what's the reason that people are still comfortable selling and buying? It's who they're getting that advice from. Absolutely. And, and massive. Get your mind right. Um, eliminate distractions. Control what you can control. Don't focus on the things you can't control. Keep calm. It'll all be good. But and I, I didn't even think about it till this conversation. The people that are getting out of the market or have got out of the market over the past two years for buyers, they might have been educated wrong into waiting for those opportunities or waiting for a change in the market. And then look where we are now. Yeah. 6.5 interest rates. Inventory is still uh, ultimately very, very low. Affordability has completely changed for people. Prices have not plummeted to the face of the, the, the earth. And um, it's still very competitive. So yeah. I, I've gotten a lot of people over the past uh, are now coming to us and saying, hey, we've been working with this agent for two years. We need a little bit of a change of pace. And um, we're a bit frustrated. We wish we would have been told to buy overpay in our mind back then two years ago or a year and a half ago, get these homes under contract. I would have had a better house, a better interest rate, peace of mind. And it all starts with education. Yeah, you can't control the future or the past, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, knowing what the opportunities really are right now, and then uh, you, you're going to be able to act on it when you're educated. Yeah. Right. So it's, uh, I like I said, it would, I think great agents like yourself, good lenders, uh, they're going to separate themselves in this market because they're going to take the time to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and they're not going to be scared by the market because they're going to see the opportunity. Yeah. So. Yeah. Shifts. Uh, what do they say? Uh, uh, cream rhymes to the top or something like the cream rises to the top. For so, sure. you know, in a, in a shifting market, the difference uh, we're, we're still very knock on wood club, uh, blessed to be very, very busy. Um, and I think that the, uh, uh, the, um, uh, top individuals in all, all aspects of any uh, sector or business, they're going to rise at the top. And, yeah. um, I think people obviously see that the quality versus quantity in some aspects. So, um, I forgot to start with this and it's been my, the next podcast. Sorry that I didn't start with you. Um, who are you? Um, how can the people um, get into contact with you? And what's the best way to reach out? 
Yeah. So Matt Sitterlit, uh, independent bank. Um, best way to reach out is, I mean, give us a call or text us, email um, 734-904-8605. Any so, little bit of a blurb on independent bank? You know, obviously you're a smaller, smaller bank, which I think is a great thing. They're yeah. all local lenders, but any blurb on independent bank, who you guys are? Yeah. So we've been headquartered in Michigan for 150 years, which is kind of unheard of. What? Um, yeah. So we've been around a long time, headquartered in Grand Rapids. Um, we opened this Brighton uh, actual bank branch over by Myers on First Street um, now two years ago. Um, and that was based on our uh, group of lenders. Uh, we joined Independent Bank uh, in this market six years ago. So we were able to build enough of a presence where it made sense to open the bank branch, which was our goal. Um, the bank supported us, start built there. So community banks, there's different models, right? Commercial. So a lot of our model for growth has been around mortgages mm -hmm. um, and commercial too. We got one of the top commercial guys in the branch with us now there. Yeah. Um, a younger guy who's a real go-getter, um, has helped a lot of local businesses. So I think community banking, when you're doing it right, you really are, you really do have a focus on trying to improve the community, yeah. you know? So I, uh, and, and independent bank's been amazing. Th and uh, that's the know? difference. And that's the, the apparent difference and the obvious difference. And what we're saying is, is local, 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 like the difference between winning and losing sometimes is local agent, local lenders, but then too, it's just customer service. Mm -hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm not just saying this, but at the end of the day, you put a mortgage cost breakdown in front of Matt Sitterlet, I'm sure you're going to go to bat and win that deal. Um, I think a lot of the times you have a little bit more flexibility than some of these larger banks. I, I just don't like the larger banks, just my, my two cents on it. But I think that if you go up against, and actually, correct me if I'm wrong, when you see a breakdown from Rocket Mortgage or Bank of America, are you like, hell yeah, we're going to win? <laughs> yeah, those, those are fun ones, right? Yeah. Um, I think what it boils down to with in the mortgage world a lot with a larger bank or, or a Rocket versus a community bank is a lot more layers. And those layers are where... Uh, clients run into issues that they shouldn't, mm -hmm. right? Um, you run into delays that you shouldn't. Uh, Non-local prayers, all all those things come into play. Um, and the lack of layers um, and the focus on it actually serving community is yeah. it's the basis for it, and it still exists. So yeah. it's, <laughs> so. Serve, and that's a great way. We'll just end it all right there. Serve, not sell. Focus on education. Um, you know, uh, know what you're talking about. Believe what you're talking about. You know, put it into the uh, to the clients. And you know you're gonna have a, a not have to worry about um, combating interest rates because again I don't feel like it's a conversation I've had to have, had to have in the past three to four six months. Um, maybe it's from what we're saying that puts into that confidence and exactly what you're saying is serve not sell and educate those clients and we'll all be good. Just wait for the seesaw to come uh, back to uh, level just a little bit more, <laughs> and then there'll be new opportunities. New opportunities. So, right, so uh, thanks for coming on, man. Yep, I appreciate Good it. Good stuff, Chris. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Beyond the Keys Palace Podcast. We'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks for watching. Make sure to use those like, comment, and share buttons below, and don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Pat Lots Real Estate for more helpful home buying and selling tips. Want a free comparable market analysis? Scan that QR code on your screen, or visit our website at www.patlots.com and fill out the request form. There's lots to love in Livingston County.